0: Good afternoon. My name's not Kirsty Young, because <laughs> she's from Edinburgh. My name's.
1: <laughs> and I can't do the accent.
0: My name's Parimi, and my castaway this afternoon is Damarati. Born in Lanarkshire near Glasgow, Damarati started his spiritual seeking at a very early age. Whilst technically still a schoolboy, He stopped attending school (laughs) (laughs) to give him time to focus on his spiritual quest. This quest took him around all the Christian denominations available in the west of Scotland at that time, and then Hare Krishna, the Baha'i, and the Munis. (laughs) The Munis were an obvious no-go when Damirati realised that they believed the British Empire to be the true channel for God's work. (laughs) (laughs) He finally found Sri Ratna, then known as the FWBO, in 1973 when he was a 20-year-old. He was ordained in 1976, and although working full-time as a psychiatric nurse, he immediately threw himself into helping the fairly new Glasgow Buddhist Centre, to flourish. In the late 1970s, Damirati left hospital work and set up ink printers in Glasgow, Glasgow's first team-based right livelihood business. This was started because of the need to make posters to advertise classes. This work led to an increasing interest in design work, and in 1980, at the invitation of Ratna, some of you saw last night, Damarati left Glasgow to go and work in London in Windhorse Associates, where he also became involved in the running of the London Buddhist Centre in Bethnal Green. A couple of years later, Damarati attended Central School of Art in London to study graphic design. He graduated with the highest marks ever given in that uh, school and uh, was awarded a first in graphic design and three distinctions in other subjects. Just out of interest, Manisha went there too. Same time. Oh, and Sadanandi. After a year working in San Francisco for Public Media Centre, he was persuaded by friends to come back to London, and he became the chair of the London Buddhist Centre, a post held from 1985 to 1993. After leaving the chairship of the LBC, Damarati continued in London, working mainly as a designer for the Carina Trust and Dharma Life magazine, as well as designing many of the book covers that some of you will have on your bookshelves. He moved to Birmingham in the early 2000s to live in Madjamaloka, where he was part of the Preceptors College Council, and then later became a public preceptor. He was chair of the Preceptors College from 2005 to 2015, and is now convener of our international international council. Thank you. Damirati was also <coughs> instrumental in the search for and establishment of Adistana. So, Damirati, welcome, Thank to you very desert Islanders Can I call you Kirsty? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> so, before we hear your actual tracks, is mu- how important has music been for you over the years?
2: Uh, in my mind, I've been through. Playlists uh, over and over again, but usually I'm imagining my funeral. So it's the, the, the music I want played at my funeral. So it's fantastic being here and being alive. From the <laughs> <shop>. <laughs> so.
0: so can somebody take note <clears throat> of the playlist? <laughs> somebody young take note of the playlist?
2: It'll be different,
1: I hope, by then.
0: Okay, so would you like to tell us... I I mentioned your spiritual search as a a young man. Before we start in on the tracks, would you say a little bit about that?
2: You kind of covered it, really. uh, Between sort of 15 and 20, I think I must have gone to every spiritual organisation in Central Scotland, which at the early 70s in Central Scotland, that wasn't that much, right? But if they were there, I, I went there from the. We fees, uh, through the Baptists, the Catholics, the Protestants, as you say, the Hare Krishnas, the Baha'is, the, <laughs> the, the, the Munis, I think what else? Uh, yeah, just mm. if it was there,
0: uh, mm. it happened. And has music played any part in that? I mean, <clears throat> is music, is, is it a backdrop for you?
2: Actually, but I'm almost embarrassed about how much of my kind of emotional and philosophical education comes from rock music. Um, I remember John Lennon, I think it, it was like a pivotal character for me, saying that what the world needed was a philosophy it could dance to. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I sort of took that to heart somewhere, but no, it, it certainly has been important.
0: So tell us why you've chosen your first track. Uh,
2: I was surprised to find out there's a definite spiritual theme running through all these things. It's sort of obvious when you think about it, but actually I hadn't really anticipated it being as much as it is. Um, I, and I, I think I, I got a lot of my education, like my, my kind of, on all sorts of levels from music. And so, like, my, my granddad was a pub singer and did a lot of folk music in pubs, and I, I grew up listening to a lot of Scottish and Irish folk music so in a way that's hardwired and I, I realized like i got most of my understanding of scottish and irish history through irish rebel songs and jacobite songs which i realized later was quite a partisan take. On. <laughs> but um age 15 um i, I think was the first sort of glimmerings of self-awareness and there was a definite moment i remember so the song that first song Somebody asked us not to be too Scottish, so we're going to fall at the first hurdle. <laughs> the, 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 the first song is a, a song called The Terror Time, written by Ewan McCall. And um, uh, part of one of the radio ballads, of, of the, of the same set that Travelling People, which is a better known song, comes from a song about travellers. And um, I was about 15, and you know most of them, apart from my grandad, all, all of the kind of cool music... Uh, when you were at school was you know like that time it was like we'd done Beatles and Stones, we were on to the underground music and cream and uh, Fleetwood Mac and all of that. So uh, I have been listening to a bit of blues music, but mainly at one removed through the, the rock bands. And I remember listening to the terror time. And the terror time is about what it's like to be a traveller in, in winter. And uh, you know just the, the cold's coming, you're out in the cold and the impact that has on you and uh, it was this moment of, it, it was a, a thing of beauty describing somebody's pain mm. and there's something about that moment of empathy for pain and, and it was almost like just sort of feeling that the, the, what the song was doing and what the blues music was doing that I was listening to, it was trying to take awareness into pain mm. and to respond to that with, with empathy and listening to it in a Scottish song, it was both seeing that you were talking about something universal, but also there's something about having it so deeply rooted in your own culture. Like when some of the minor notes come in mm. in a Scottish melody, like I get shivers down mm. my spine. Mm. And the, the, the Terror Time is, is a, a, I think, a beautiful song looking at that empathic awareness of pain and responding to it with kind of empathy and beauty. Catherine Paul Wart doing it.
3: Heather will fade And the bracken will die Streams will run cold and clean Better time. noch vor
2: is true, but my impression is Scottish folk music is much more melancholy than English folk music. I just want to warn you, this is an absolutely unrelentingly melancholy set
0: (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that when we discussed the tracks the other day, we both ended up in tears. Um, That's a very powerful opening song, very strong song. This is your 15-year-old sensibility. So where do we move to next?
2: Um, OK, next uh, song is, I, I mean, if, if you're my generation, th- th- it's, it's the law that you have to have a Bob Dylan song <laughs> in your <laughs> playlist. Um, I, 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 I mean, it was impossible to choose. Like, a, 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 Getting it down to three albums was hard enough. Getting <laughs> it down to a song was, was uh, really hard. But I'm, I'm going to play um, It's All Right Ma, I'm Only Bleeding. And I suppose the thing about it—I mean, I think Dylan is absolutely extraordinary. Again, sort of talking to you, if if any, anybody has been—he's got a triple album out now of the American Songbook. You know all the the standard uh, uh, show business songs, but I, I think it's a, a real clue. Dylan is this walking encyclopedia of American music, and he just—he's. He channels everything. So it's so like from Appalachian folk, which has got mm. its roots in Scottish music, through, you know, like kind of modern folk music, through rock music and blues, into country and western, you know, like just everything is there. And it just seems this completely unself-conscious capacity to take it in, to synthesise it. And then it comes out unmistakably an individual mm. voice. And at the same time as that sort of musical synthesis again for, for my generation it was this extraordinary I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the voice of a generation because it freaked him out <laughs> but you know like if you see the, the the martin scorsese documentary something's coming through him it's like he doesn't know what's going on but he's the most articulate voice of the whole human rights movement that's going on in America in the early 60s civil rights, yeah. uh, uh, civil rights sorry but th- th- there's a point where that whole move towards freedom changes a gear and uh, it, you know by the time we got there in, in the late 60s freedom was starting to be like freedom in every single area of experience so it included the political it included the sexual it included um, well, psychological and, and even I think the spiritual. And, and Dylan's music's the most. Just watching that shift into freedom, to my mind, becoming a more and more profound understanding mm. of what freedom involves. And mm. um, I, 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 I feel like a teenager, right? Like a, 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 when you're a teenager, you're writing all these lyrics down in your notebook. You want to show them to your friends, so. Here a lecture. <laughs> but there's a bit in this he goes through you know like there's this fantastic verse where he's he's dismissing toy guns that spark, toy toy guns that spark flesh-colored Christs that glow in the dark it's easy to see without looking too far that not much is really sacred so you get all of this sort of superficiality getting dismissed then there's this verse like you know Dylan got the Nobel Prize and it was quite controversial because if you read this stuff on on the page it can read as quite naive mm. but when you hear it mm. sung it's art and what you've got in it's all right Mark, is this incantationary evocation of deeper awareness so there's a bit where this is the bit i'm going to read um you lose yourself you reappear you suddenly find you've got nothing to fear a trembling distant voice unclear startles your sleeping ears to hear that somebody that thinks they've really found you and when you're 17 <laughs> just that image of getting through all the superficiality you're walking around wondering who the hell you are yeah. and there's this image that it might be possible to go deep enough to
4: really find yourself
0: so let's hear them and we can come back to a bit more of that <laughs>
4: Preachers preach of evil fates. Teachers teach that knowledge waits. Can lead to hundred-dollar plates. Goodness hides behind its gates. But even the President of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked. And though the rules of the road have been lodged, it's only people's games that you got to dodge. And it's all right, ma, I can make it Advertising signs, they con you into thinking you're the one That can do what's never been done, that can win what's never been won Meantime, life outside goes on all around you question in your nerves is lit, yet you know there is no answer fit to satisfy and you not to quit to keep it in your mind and not forget that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to
0: So when you were introducing that you mm-hmm. talked of Dylan as a synthesizer mm-hmm. and uh, <coughs> The picture that comes is of somebody who's got a lot behind them They're bringing it together and then out of that something new is growing So when we (coughs) talked the other day, you said that that reminded you of a certain gentleman that we know.
2: So um, I'm doing book covers just now for the complete works, which I really don't have time to do, but Mm. I I couldn't bear not doing them. And um, one of the images I'm looking at is the image of St. Jerome. Of course, it's Banty's own Mm. metaphor of himself as a translator. But uh, I was thinking that what you've got with with Banty, this, uh, uh, I think, extraordinary... The, the point he makes about what inheritors of the whole tradition mm. and and it's still in most western buddhism that the, the the presentation of the dharma comes out of a single mm. tradition which mm. is great it gives you something of depth but this understanding that that the whole tradition has unpacked the dharma in different aspects and different ways and, and what you've got in, in bante's teaching and writing as an awareness of that whole project, like his first book The Survey of Buddhism, mm. Mm. he's looking at the whole tradition, and I think this extraordinary organisation around it, mm. organisation mm. around the five spiritual faculties, which reappear in the system mm. of practice, so, so you've got like this framework that synthesises the whole tradition, a way of presenting that that takes in the whole person, and it, you know like you, 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 uh, an awareness of Western culture, awareness of the kind of main strand of Western culture going back to classical mm-hmm. civilization through, you know, at least it makes it into the 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you look at, again, incredible, I think, sophisticated awareness of what, you know, like, one of the differences between him and secular Buddhism, I think, like, I sometimes think secular Buddhism is looking to see what bits of, of Buddhism mm. can fit into Western culture. Mm. I think banti has got a grasp of Western culture mm. that lets him think what bits of Western culture work as a medium, as mm. a channel for mm. the Dharma. Mm. Uh, it's quite a different set of priorities. So I think mm. you've got mm. the same sort of mm. process of synthesis.
0: Synthesising. So have we met the FWBO yet? Um, have we met the
2: FWBO? That came a little bit later. Came, came to the FWBO in 19... 19- um 73 uh, when i was 20 mm. and like literally i had been looking for years for i don't know what i was looking mm. for but i knew when it wasn't it right mm. and when i first came across the fwbo i uh, went to a, a beginner's class in bath street in glasgow and I, I just want younger people to know that beginners classes were far more spiritually demanding in those days than they are now mm. so <laughs> the, the first Beginner's class was a 40-minute meditation, an hour and a half tape lecture and a seven-fold picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I couldn't do the meditation, I didn't understand the lecture, and I hated the picture. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, this is my spiritual home. I a real recognition of something from that first moment. And something about the depth of it, the practicality of it, and... You could do it. <laughs> oh actually I couldn't do it, but I could see. see? It. <laughs> so
0: did your next track take us into FWBO so F- time? I moved
2: into the Bath Street community about sort of three months after I first came across the, 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 the Dharma Kept first came across the movement. Everything was faster in those days. Can I just briefly? I want to go through my ordination process. But my oh, well, that wouldn't
0: take very long. <laughs> so no. My ordination
2: process consisted of the first time I met Banty in Bath Street, saying I'd like to ask for ordination, and Banty sitting down for a minute and saying I don't see any reason why not.
5: <laughs> Pretty much
2: that was it. Six months later, I got ordained. We're much more thorough these days. <laughs> um, and uh, I've got a strong memory. I mean, honestly, it changed my life moving into the community. There's a couple of us an Uttara who um, was a very passionate, working-class, ex-Scottish karate champion, so you really did not want to get on his bad side. And not turning up for morning meditation got on Uttara's bad side. So he just turned up for morning meditation. Um, but I remember... At that time, listening to a lot of Plastic Ono Band, Ultra didn't totally approve of. But again, I'm embarrassed to say how much of an emotional education I got from the Plastic Ono Band. <laughs> and there was something about John Lennon, like the the the, the willing, the, the reckless self-awareness, reckless self-disclosure. And I think, that, and again, f- f- for my generation, the Beatles were a, a, an influence for a lot of us, but. That was where the spiritual depth was in the Beatles. George Harrison had the sitar, but Lenin was doing something more profound. So I wanna play, I, I, I was almost gonna go for I found out, which has got the line, there ain't no Jesus gonna come from the skies. There ain't no guru can see through your eyes. And uh, just uh, encouraging a certain sort of critical engagement with the tradition that you're involved in. But actually I'm gonna play a song called Love of the first Ono band album which is a song about waking up, so it's a song about my eyes are wide open, my mind can see, my heart can feel, it's just this image of
1: the mind waking up.
6: the sky.
0: An awakening that's starting to happen as you get yourself more involved in FWBO. How does the story continue? This
2: is Heraka in Glasgow, which was some fantastic, you know, Victorian tenement overlooking the River Kelvin. So very beautiful. Living with probably about ten of us, uh, sort of in a community, literally in, in, in those days. Um, people wanted to live in communities. We one guy literally living in the cupboard above the toilet. He <laughs> right, just had his mattress rolled out in this cupboard and we would help him up above the toilet every <laughs> time he oh was bed. But uh, that kind of slightly kamikaze <laughs> engagement with uh, the, the, the Dharma, but it was also... like Living with Ajita and Danavira in particular, and it, there was something thrilling about it. Mm. It was pretty abrasive, actually. We were all rebels without a clue you know like it was sort of these mid-twenties idealists rubbing up against each other but um I, I wanted to sorry just remember a cheetah coming back from one of the seminars Banty was teaching and we were sort of passing it on as well as, as we could I remember Jita coming back from the the, the precious garland mm-hmm. seminar and talking about the ego
1: mm-hmm.
2: and talking about how the ego wasn't actually a thing so I'm going, what do you mean? And <laughs> he's quoting Banti and he holds up his fist and he says, there's a fist, where's it gone? And we all go, what? <laughs> 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 so, uh, it really was this sense of, of you know, the, the, the dharma getting unpacked yeah. and, and having access to it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But one of the other things that's a big strand in the FB, in, you know, mm-hmm. emphasis on the arts... And FWB was definitely my first introduction to classical music. What an introduction. So we had just one of our benefit dinners. One of the guys who was coming to the centre played for a little chamber group called the Telemann Ensemble. So they decided to do the Brandenburg Concertos live in our front room during a benefit dinner. So the first serious bit of back I heard was the Telemann Ensemble sitting next to the table. I was having my dinner. And... Uh, I can say so much, but like the Brandenburgs are a great introduction mm-hmm. from rock music because basically, especially the fifth, it's structured like a lot of rock song. So you get verse, chorus, verse, chorus, harpsichord, solo, chorus. <laughs> it, you know, if you've been listening to Emerson, Lake and Palmer, you can see where it's headed. But uh, I'm going to play the, the double violin concerto. Mm.
0: So quite uh, an eclectic grouping we've had Uh, although I think there are thematic similarities but maybe we can come back to that later on. So so Glasgow Buddhist Centre Um, the abrasive and the classical and beautiful together.
2: Yeah, thanks for the the segue, let me do the abrasive. So it was very exciting times to be in a community. Actually, it was very exciting times in in the culture. Um, Punk rock was sort of kicking off and the, the, we, we definitely ended up at, at points looking like a, a, a punk gang sort of spiked hair and the tight trousers and all the rest of it luckily no photographs have some that <laughs> <laughs> very few <laughs> photographs have served that <laughs> of being a Kasha Jyoti's exhibition um, but I remember um, uh, a, a woman who was coming to the the, the class walking up Byers Road with her boyfriend and watching this gang of punks walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And the boyfriend wanted to cross the road, and the, guy, the, the girl said, No, it's fine, it's the people from the Buddhist set. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> but, but there was a sort of nihilistic strand in mm-hmm. punk, but there was an idealistic mm-hmm. strand as well. So, this is Elvis Costello mm-hmm. doing what's so funny about <laughs> peace, love, and understanding. <laughs>
0: with that driving sort of beat, yeah. alongside a call for peace, love and understanding, yeah. which yeah. I think really does capture something yeah. at that time. Next song? Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, next song is, there could be a whole lot more country and western music in this, I'm, I'm gutted that I can't take Lou Harris on my island with me, but this is Johnny Cash doing I See a Darkness. Um, m- moved to the LBC in 1980, had a bit of a fallout with the Glasgow Order. And uh, actually, the the LBC, I think, kept me in the order at a point. uh, The thing I loved about the LBC, I loved almost everything about the LBC, actually, Um, and the the thing that really made a difference to me was its diversity. Mm -hmm. Glasgow was a bit of a monoculture, and uh, the LBC was much, much more pluralistic. And uh, there was a really concrete example of it. So in Roman Road, um, it was number 51, and above number 51, the 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 community like the community which was run quite you know tight and structured community and I've moved down to work in the design studio as you see I live with Nagabodi did he make it into the, the room in a community called Golgunusa which was the, the kind of the anarchist end of of the thing so it was all of the artists and, and you know like for me I was a bit of a kind of artist monkey. And uh, living with, with writers, living with designers, living with filmmakers, it was absolutely for me just out of the kind of backwaters of Glasgow. It was so thrilling, and there was something about the kind of the energy around the LBC, and as I say, like the diversity around the LBC that can contain those poles and do something unified with them. I, I totally loved.
0: Um, so
2: this is 1980? This is 1980. And, and w- w- one of the big things, uh, I guess, was uh, you know meeting such a range of Order members. So I'd, I'd known you in Glasgow, but reconnecting with you. Uh, loved living with Nagabode. Loved living with Sidi Ratna. And uh, met Attila for the mm. first time. Uh, I could say a lot about Attila, but I ended up living in communities with Attila over most of the next 20 years, probably. But uh, Attila was put on this earth uh, to be a psychotherapist he, he started <laughs> off as a, a, a joiner in Whitstable which wasn't quite what fate really intended I don't <laughs> think but uh, you know he, he educated himself, very poor working mm-hmm. class background but uh, his, his psychotherapy training was basically just a, a polishing mm-hmm. of a, a character and I've never come across anybody who's mm-hmm. got in a way less ego mm-hmm. and his capacity for just to acknowledge the whole spectrum mm. of his own experience and to come into relationship with other people like just totally without judgment just this mm. big awareness of another person and what it does I think is it opens up that possibility mm. for their awareness of themselves you can just watch people able to step in a deeper less judgmental mm. connection to themselves and i, I think you know again i could say a lot but one of the things i feel i really learned from from attila what was that kind of aliveness and inclusion of, of the whole range of experience uh, if you don't mind I was, I was going to quote bodhicitta practice but the, the, one of we the don't images we don't <laughs> mind <laughs> because what, one of the images from the bodhicitta practice is that you're stepping into what you usually resist mm. And you're like both in terms of resisting other people, but even resisting your own experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful metaphor where you breathe in shadow. Mm. The shadow touches your open heart and it's transformed. And just that process of liberation going on within the whole spectrum of your experience. And this for me, so like Johnny Cash, I think, is at home and bits of experience that people are a little less comfortable with i remember hearing his daughter being interviewed and saying that johnny cash was a very religious man but his religion didn't involve any conception of him personally being good
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this
2: is a song from his, his late albums produced by rick rubin and a sort of song written by uh, bonnie prince billy who does backing vocals on this and it's about including
7: your whole range of experience. Well, you're my friend And can you see Many times We've been out drinking Many times we shared our thoughts But did you ever, ever notice The kind of thoughts I got Well, you know I have a love, a love for everyone I know. And you know I have a drive to live I won't let go. But can you see its opposition? comes rising up sometimes that it's dreadful and position comes blacking in my mind and that I see a darkness and that I see a darkness and that I see a darkness And that I see your darkness Did you know how much I love you? Here's a hope that somehow you Can save me from this darkness
0: (laughs) Um, Gosh, there's so much that one could pick up on in all of these songs and the period that you're talking about. yeah, so all sorts of memories coming up for me as well, listening to them, we because to well. we're contemporaries in lots of different ways, so Attila, there in my mind. Um, carry on, <laughs> give us the next one.
2: All right, next one is, um, it's another Bodhi Chatter song, actually, um, <laughs> Massive Attack and Tracy Thorne doing Protection. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's probably as close as I get to modern right uh, I went to art school in 1981 and so everything but the girl and Tracy Thorne were around mm-hmm. then and um, one of the, the drives for me is um, I want the dharma in the culture mm. and I want it um, you know if you look at the dharma traditionally that the the content is profound and the form is beautiful at the first beautiful printed books or editions of the Diamond Sutra mm. printed in, in in China and uh, I, I thought some of the stuff we were producing really did not do the Dharma justice uh, wanted to present the Dharma as beautifully as invitingly as I could was frustrated by my own level of skills I went off to art school to train had like three fantastic years just being taught by Uh, well some good people if I can mention one a man called Anthony Froshaw who was out of that European modernist tradition Froshaw was the last of a generation that had taught in the Bauhaus so he was in his 80s when he taught me so I I learned my typography skills from somebody who had been involved in that whole modernist revolution it was a a real privilege and I basically wanted to learn how to uh, Present the Dharma beautifully, which I'm still trying to figure out how to do well. Uh, this is a song that you know I came across Tracy Thorne and everything but the girl at that time. And I think this is such a beautiful song. And again, surprised to find how often Bodhicitta seems to turn up in my music. Uh, um, it, it's not about a boy meets girl Some The mm. basic sort of line in it is. Um, could you forgive yourself if you left that person just the way you found them? And then the, the, the chorus is, I'll stand in front of you, I'll take the force of the blow. Protection. Oh. <laughs> and it's such a great intro.
0: It's interesting. The last two songs, uh, Massive Attack and Johnny Cash, inspire you in the body chitter. Yeah. That might not be a gen general. Um, that might not generally be the case. Yeah,
2: if you check the lyrics, it's clear. It's explicit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: <clears throat> okay. The next one um, is uh, just to raise the tone a little bit. Schubert quintet. Mm apparently is the fifth most requested song on desert, island. Dessa, music on desert island discs Um left art school went to work in san francisco briefly um I, I just want to say thank you actually for such a privilege to get to sort of talk about your own experience last so i really appreciate people's patience if barrami's not taking advantage of us all um yeah. but um y- y- yeah sort of uh, worked briefly uh, when i graduated from art school in this fantastic little studio called public media center in san francisco and and the, the whole um purpose of public media center was to try to get socially constructive projects done as well with as much skill as commercial advertising was done mm. so it was very much you know kind of something i was interested in And, you know, just straight out of art school, it was kind of glamorous working in San Francisco, got offered the job, I'd been well paid, I'd been doing work I loved, I'd been living in a city that I really liked. So it was kind of tempting. And uh, at the same time, I got Kula Mitra stepped down as chair at the LBC and I got asked to be chair. And to tell you the truth, it was a no-brainer, you know, even though I gave it a day or two just to make sure I wasn't totally about to ruin my life. Uh, actually, the idea of, of working with the Order members around the LBC to make the Dharma available mattered to me much more deeply, although it paid rather less well than <laughs> working in, in San Francisco. Um, so I moved back, was here for about eight years, but t- t- towards the end of that time, that there was a revolution going on in graphic design. Uh, it was some of the most interesting Mac based design starting to happen and I was finding myself walking down the street just blissed out by some of the typography I was seeing on adverts, <laughs> and um, I, I started to realise I was, I was actually more interested in going back to design than I wasn't doing longer handed over to Ratna Gosha who did a way better job than I did And went back to working for graphic doing graphic design mainly for the movement so working with karana which was a total privilege getting Mm -hmm. to see the movement in india Mm -hmm. you know some such moving stories i can't i can't tell you anything like but you know coming across somebody who was a a university lecturer Mm -hmm. in in physics i think who had learned his maths Mm -hmm. sitting outside the village school because because he was a dalit he wasn't allowed in the village Mm -hmm. school so he heard, learned all his mathematics, listening to the teaching yeah. through the window and did his homework on the back end of a water buffalo using white stones. So That was his blackboard. And to go from <laughs> somewhere where you're not allowed in school to yeah. be teaching physics at university yeah. was such a moving story. So yeah. it was a really privileged access yeah. to bits of experience that so few of us get. and. Um, working on Dharma life and Dharma life was totally what I wanted to do. you know like uh, Vishvapani invited me to, to to go and work on that. Vishwapani was editing Dharma life it picked up and built on work that Nagabodhi had been doing with uh, a golden drum in the FWBO newsletter. but you know Vishwapani was such a kind of thoughtful uh, editor and get just so thoughtful about Buddhism working with Guhyapati, he was a real talented. Uh, arts background, working with Just Sarah out of journalism, and, and, and me doing design, and we did, I thought, a really oh, yeah. bloody good magazine, actually. Um, well written, well designed, and uh, a kind of voice for the, the movement that, to some extent, I think, in the internet age, you lack a little bit. Anyway, doing late nighters. <laughs> um, so every time a deadline comes you got to work around the clock so we'd be sitting up late and I remember one night Vajrasara bringing in the Schubert Quintet mm-hmm.
0: You have to get that bit you in, do. really, don't you? Just carry on.
2: Um, oh, God. Uh, there are, there are two more bits of music I'd like to play if we've got time. Um, moved to Maginoloka in 19, on 2000, actually. I was gutted to leave <coughs> London. Mm. I, I, I love living in London. I, I still... Whenever I go to London, I got off the train at Paddington. I just feel the tension fall from my body. <laughs> it, it, it was such an interesting time to live at, at Majmaloka, The, the preceptor's college, it was Bante starting to think about his own death, I'm sure he'd been thinking about it mm. uh, more spiritually before, but thinking practically about it and one of the things he wanted to do was to get a, a group of people with whom he had worked most closely mm. living together and living with him and I think there's something about mm. the kind of intensity of exchange of experience and the kind of creation of harmony that just is supported by people spending time together. Mm. So living at Majumaloka and quite a few people, Sangadeva, Sona, Nagabodhi, I'm sure there's others in the room, uh, lived there. But it, that sort of generation starting to, to come together. Uh, Preceptors College Council, first kind of glimmers of the, the an expanded Preceptors College. And... Um, yeah, it was. It was the first, real serious kind of move into the, the second generation. they trying to organise the second generation and think what that looked like. I remember just you know sitting in meetings. Some of the meetings were interminably boring, right? Like I remember one meeting where we decided to hear a report from every centre in the movement, right? And just. There were quite a lot of centres in the movement already in the early two thousands, but at other times just that the kind of reimagining and imagining of what the movement might be going forward. It was just such a privilege to be able to take part in those discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- this is the one song I'm going to play that, as far as I can tell, doesn't have a message.
1: Um, I fell
2: in love with the Unthanks while I was there. It's another folk song. Uh, a bit of folk music but Adrian McNally who's the arranger for the Unthanks is more influenced by 1960s um, kind of like soft machine uh, sort of systems music and things than he is by traditional English music but Rachel Unthank channels something it's it's the most selfless singing I've ever heard so the the, the song she's very
0: attractive she's,
2: it, it's a spiritual thing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Panami and i went to see them in wolverhampton it was the first time i'd ever seen them and uh, i'd heard this song before and there's a little intro that i thought was a drum machine but it turns out to be rachel mm. unthank clock dancing mm. this <laughs> is <Heart>. the unthanks <laughs>
8: Is mummy, her only delight. He's always out roaming the land, summer day through. He's always out roving away from the far, through hedges and ditches and valleys and hillsides.
0: A la- huge fan, was there a particular reason for including that track? It's
2: the same again with, with uh, the Unthanks, they're, they're miserable. Uh, <laughs> they always make a point of that. Uh, they just explain that everything they're going to be singing is on the, the, the melancholy side. But that there's something about, like for me, the beauty of her singing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the stuff they deal with, again, it's just that taking awareness mm-hmm. into social mm-hmm. pain, social injustice, mm-hmm. personal uh, 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 mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful, compassionate mm-hmm. singing mm-hmm. transformed my that voice.
0: Okay, so unfortunately I think I'm gonna have to ask you to just steam ahead into your last track.
2: We were at Majimaloka and at the end of the time there we had to make a decision about whether we were going to stay. Mm-hmm. We were running out of space. And at the very least we wanted to be doing some of the residential courses that ended up happening here. And we had the option of building in the garden. We had quite a big garden. We could stay in Birmingham or we could move. And the crucial thing was Banty Banty by this time was in his late 80s. Mm. And uh, we asked him if he would prefer us to stay or if he thought we should move. And he he thought about it, I think, for a couple of days. But it was a crucial conversation where... You know, he had lost the sight at Majumaloka, he knew his way around by feeling. knew all of the big uh, trees in the garden that Sangadeva had sort of cultivated. And his own personal preference would have been to stay, but he said he realised he thought it was better for the movement to go, and that for him, he said, it was a bit of a personal going forth, and him going against his own inclination, and... Uh, asked us to look for a retreat center so we spent three years i think driving up and down the country and finally found this place and you know now it looks like it was sort of you can't imagine had they been anywhere else we could have been in a prison in perthshire actually, (laughs) which had solitary accommodation for about 400 people On, on balance this was probably uh, best, and this isn't any more than just uh, another bit of music that I want on the island and that I listen to here, it's uh, one of the, uh, the the slow movement from the Mozart's uh, Piano Concerto number 23.
0: So the moment has come, Damarati, when I'm going to cast you away all alone to the desert islands. Um, I'm going to give you the entire Pali Canon really?
1: <laughs> and the
0: complete works of Shakespeare. And you can choose one other book to take with you. What book are you taking? I can't
2: swap either. the no, 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 no. <laughs> You've
0: got the Pali Canon and Shakespeare. Okay. I was wondering about... Um, George Eliot collected works, but I'm going to take a
2: set of Rembrandt portraits, actually.
0: Oh, okay, that's, yep. Yeah. One luxury that you can have on your desert island, and remember there's no electricity, so... I'm
1: allowed an
2: iPad and a solar, a solar charger. That's two
0: luxury items. Oh, a, a, a
2: cafe, Sorry. Cafeteria and coffee. Now.
0: Okay, we can do that. And of course, you have to think if the waves come in and take away nine of your chosen (laughs) eight discs, uh, which one are you saving from the waves? I'm
2: I'm in the waves after (laughs) them. Actually, if it's one, of uh, it's the Mozart.
0: The Mozart. Thank you very much. So thank you, Damirati, for sharing that with us. I think what's come through for me is a fine sensibility a real sense of um, an awareness of the culture around you, a willingness to embrace the darkness, but also a real desire to support the shoots of life that come through that darkness, a real desire to embrace life, but also to encourage and support it in other people. Even that last track, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So thank you very much for sharing your Desert Island Discs. Thanks.